Welcome to another edition of the Green Beach Podcast. And as always, that is AJ. He mm-hmm. is me. I am Ken. I am the beach. And as you can see, the boys are in their colors again today, which means something big came down the pipe regarding at least one of our teams. AJ, how's it going, my brother? I'm all right, man. Just hanging in there. Um, I guess weather-wise better than you, but kind of bracing for something. <laughs> kind of bracing for something coming up this week. Don't don't hear we in a um apparently not we in accustomed to that kind of weather, right? Apparently, the, by the end of this week, later latter part of this week, we might actually be shut down for a day or two. Mercy and grace. Yeah, well, right. we here in the Midwest right now, we are dealing with a bit of a snowstorm. We are, we are mm. being hit with a bit of an Arctic blast over the next 24 hours. We're going to have some of those temperatures that we would have never seen back in the Caribbean. So, unfortunately, that coincides with my garbage day. So, I actually have to go outside in this. this oh, boy, be safe, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, it is what it is. We, we do what we have to do in these parts. So, mm-hmm. looking into today's show, we have quite a lot to touch on. We have mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that happened. And, of course, you know, there were actually some games that played as well. And the biggest news was in regards to your boy, Tom Brady. But before we get to all of that, you know, we like to go off the rip. And off the rip, <clears throat> recently we've been going, what the what? And... AJ, what made you say what the what this weekend? <laughs> Eli Apple. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this mother sucker. This man was wilding like his uncle Michael Blackson, boy. This man was calling out Terry Kill and Miko Hardman talking about he would he would get tickets to them for, <laughs> for the big game. <laughs> and it's kind, of, it's kind of funny to me because I don't remember outside of the tackle that Hardman, that um, sorry that Apple made right before halftime. I don't remember this man doing much in the game. He's the one that had the DPI that led to, to that, that final play, and he, he dropped it a pick. So, I mean, but you know what? The, the thing is, as we say back home, you could only play when you have hand. And right now, Eli got all the hands. So by all <laughs> means, brother, do your thing. But it is just extremely funny to me that of all people, Eli Apple has become like this kind of villain persona in order to be able to, 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 to be doing these things on social media, it is, it's extremely funny to me. I hope you can keep it up for next week, for his sake. Next <laughs> two weeks, that is. Well, I mean, I'm not even going to talk about Eli Apple. I'll just <laughs> I like... You don't want to. I know you don't want to. <laughs> yeah. That, hmm. Anyhow, my thing, my what the what this week is not even related to football. Did you hear about this professional, professional pillow fighting league? I saw, I saw it. I saw what? It. what are we doing, AJ? We have people in a ring swinging pillows at one another. Yo, let's talk though that the the fellow with the long hair, this man, the reflexes were cat like. You see them blocks with the left hand? I was coming up real quick with the blocks. I saw it though. That was that was definitely a what the what because I didn't know that was a thing, but clearly anything can be a sport nowadays. It is true, but you know the the, the um the thing about it is and I I I may take a little bit of a lash for this. I, I have to be honest. I'm not going to be watching men pillow fighting. I'm sorry. <laughs> it will just not do that. I will watch whatever else is on, but it will not watch the men pillow fighting. That, that's not my thing. Fair point. 
All right, so now let's get into these, to these games. <clears throat> so championship weekend, just like these playoffs in total, was full of drama. And for many people, it may have been two unexpected results, but there were no shortage of talking points. I know for sure there's one guy who we can't say he didn't expect it because he put down a $200 wager on the two games with the final scores and he was right. Mm. That two hundred dollar mm. wager netted him five hundred and seventy thousand dollars. When I AJ, when I saw that, I remembered that I got all six games of the uh, World Card Weekend right, and I I don't Damn. gamble, but. Didn't think to put down something. Well, yeah, then again, you don't. So, yeah. No gamble, but you can't even I, call it an opportunity lost, huh? Exactly. But imagine what would happen if it put on a Just imagine. Just imagine. Exactly. Anyhow, <laughs> off of that, now we're going to start with the second game first. Mm-hmm. That being the Los Angeles Rams hosting the San Francisco 49ers. And these same 49ers are those who beat them six times in a row coming into this game. The Rams started hot in this game and then cooled right off to allow the 49ers to have a 10-point lead heading into the fourth, only for the Rams to then go on a run on their own and take the lead by three, mm-hmm. which then put the spotlight firmly on Jimmy Garoppolo, who couldn't rise to the occasion and was intercepted on an ill-advised pass, sending the Rams to the Super Bowl. As you can expect, this has led to much conversation about Jimmy G, as we have also seen in our groups, our, our WhatsApp groups. So, AJ, what to do about Jimmy? What to do about Jimmy? I, didn't I tell y'all last? Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell y'all last week? Listen, you say it was two unexpected results for certain people. Just remember that as we sat here a week ago speaking, I did tell you guys I had the Rams to win the game. And the sole reason was because Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback of the 49ers. Nothing else. Nothing else. He was the he was essentially the, the, the not common denominator, but the deciding factor in the differentiating factor, rather. Right? Mm-hmm. Both teams, very good defenses. Both teams, you know, could, could run the ball. There are weapons on offense. They were almost evenly matched, except at quarterback, Ken. And I told y'all, don't bet the house on Jimmy G. No, it's not like Stafford is some sort of like world beater, but he's better than Jimmy G. That's he true. is. Yeah, and if, even in the game, remember there was a point in time when Stafford was, he was a bit quiet because you mentioned that the Rams did go a bit cold at some point. Stafford had a, was, was a bit quiet and, and Jimmy G seemed to be picking up steam. But I told you all this man is not to be trusted. And, and I, know you, I, know, I know you felt this way too, but when the Rams took that 20 to 17 lead, right? Mm-hmm. And there was like a minute, I can't remember exactly. It was just under two minutes, if I remember correctly. Left a minute and but yeah, at, at least a minute and a half left. Mm-hmm. And the ball was going back to San Francisco to Jimmy G. Did you feel any type of confidence that he would be able to even get this team to field goal position? You just knew the game was over, right? Mm-hmm. We knew it. Good feel it. Same here, same here. And it's pretty sad. It is pretty sad. I had no faith in this man. I was there anyone that had faith in this man? I, I, it, with, with that time remaining, all this man, all he had to do was drive them down the field to get them into field goal position. And, and 
I mean, you could say that, yeah, the offensive line failed him because they, they didn't do a good job of standing up to protect him. It, it, they crumbled really quickly, and then he had to be scrambling. But still, as you, as you just mentioned, the ill-advised throws and into, like, come on. Come on. Jimmy G's just not the guy. He's just not. And Kyle Shanahan, even though he came out after the game and said that, you know, he loves Jimmy G and whatnot, he, that's what he's supposed to say. Okay. The reality is... He has shown us what he thinks of Jimmy G. Uh, uh, and it could be, that could be by um, during the season, uh, whenever the team basically needed to win a game or whatnot, or when they, when they needed uh, a push, essentially. They, they went to their um, Swiss Army knife in Debo or the running backs. But it was never really about Jimmy G to try and win the games for you, right? And, and let's go a little further back to a year ago. The fact that he moved up to number three in the draft to take Trey Lance. Does, does, that, does that tell you that you have, tell me that you have confidence in your, in your starting quarterback? And we know, we know that it's not only about the injuries. Look, I, 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 let me not hog the rest of the Jimmy G discussion. I'll, I'll leave some for you. But I just <laughs> told you all, I told you that that boy was going to be the reason why they lost. So it is really, really interesting for me, especially in the jersey that you're wearing, because you guys wanted the prodigal son back so badly two seasons ago. You were willing to trade for him two seasons ago. It was just that? No, yeah, just two seasons ago. You guys were like, yeah, you know, if we get Jimmy back, then, you know, maybe things could be better than what we've seen so far. And mm -hmm. <sighs> now... Jimmy has even lost the support of the Foxborough faithful. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll just, I'll go quickly on this one. There are two major knocks against Jimmy. One you just mentioned, fragility. He's only played a whole season's worth of games twice. He started 16 games in 2019, and he played 17 games in total this season, but 15 games in the regular season because he was injured. Statistically, he's had his best season this season, completing 67.6% .6 of his passes for mm -hmm. 4,113 yards and 20 passing touchdowns, but 12 interceptions. However, outside of those two seasons, the most games he has played is six. Mm. Jimmy has a career average of 67.7% for completions, 71 touchdowns and 38 interceptions. Jimmy G is not the answer for your club, my club, or any club, as he is a below average passer who throws too many interceptable balls and has not earned the trust of his coach. Much has been said before about Jimmy only throwing, what, there was 12 passes? Between hmm. two games or three games to get into the Super Bowl, the last time that his 49ers were there. He only threw 19 passes against Green Bay after almost giving the game away against Dallas. And the Rams wanted him to have to beat them. And Shanahan gave him his moment with 30 passes in this last game. Now, to be fair, Jimmy did not play badly in the game all the way through. But as you he said, didn't. he didn't. Mm -hmm. When you knew that Jimmy had to then go the length of the field in the last two minutes to make something happen, he was just not good enough. And unfortunately for him, 
that is the story of his career. Yeah, and I mean, I don't, I, I did say that he was the reason. Let me not, let me backtrack on that a bit. Let me not be so harsh. He wasn't the sole reason that they lost, mm-hmm. but he was part of the reason why they didn't win. That's the point. Yes, that is for sure. Mm-hmm. So now we moving fast today. That was the late game. The early game was the AFC Championship. The Kansas City mm-hmm. Chiefs hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincy was a seven-point dog coming into the game. And in the first half, they sure looked like it. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs come out the blocks flying and are leading 21-3. to three. And this is in the second quarter, just before the Bengals get a touchdown. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs get all the way down the field and are on the one-yard line, but instead of kicking the last-second field goal to go in at the half up two touchdowns, they're trying to punch it in and are stopped on the goal line with a pass to Tyreek Hill, giving momentum to the Bengals' D. And they didn't let up at all in the second half, allowing just a single Kansas City field goal in the second half, just like what happened in Week 17. The game goes to overtime, and the Chiefs win the coin toss, just like what happened against Buffalo. But this time, the Bengals de-intercepted Mahomes, and the Bengals kick a walk-off field goal to win the game, just like what happened in Tennessee. The Bengals are in the Super Bowl. But who gets the blame for Casey? Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, the, 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 the main reason why I'm seeing Andy Reid is because that despicable display right before the end of the half, right, that we were just speaking about, was it off camera or whatever the case is, right? Oh, no, when I mentioned Eli Apple, sorry. Mm-hmm. They get a DPI call, so the ball is placed at the one. Okay, they go for it. Time is running down, but yes, I, I, we understand you're in a prime position. At this point, you're up 21 to 10. You're at home. You have all the momentum. Okay, cool. On the first, on the first single, they didn't get it. I can't remember the play that it was, but they didn't get it. So then it was second. With a few seconds left, enough time to kick a field goal. Mm-hmm. They did not take it. They went for the six points again. This time, Eli Apple made the play on Tyree Kill. I thought that was it was downright complacency and arrogance, in my in my opinion, to do that right there. Take the three points. You, you, you try to get the ball into the end zone. It didn't work. Take the guaranteed points and go into the half. I, I don't like what I saw there. And, and I, I'm pretty sure I remember hearing that Mahomes actually called for it. He wanted it. But mm-hmm. Andy Reid had, Andy Reid is a head coach. Yes. He has the final call on this. He can say, no, we'll, we'll take the points. And he should have done that. So yep. I'm putting that on him. Because I'm, that, imagine if they had that three points and the Bengals made that. Like, the game could have been so different had they just taken that, right? Yep. And then there's Patrick Mahomes. No, I'm not going to disparage his, his, uh, uh, um, like basically what he's done, his athleticism, his, 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 um, I don't know why this word isn't coming to me now, but his greatness as a, as a QB that he's shown so far in his career Mm-hmm. based on this one half. However, he was terrible. He, he was absolutely dreadful in the second half, and a lot of it had to do with his own decision-making. There's no one else he can blame. The two picks he threw, both his fault. 
one of these being in overtime, right? And, and let's not forget Eli Apple dropped him when he should have when he should have caught again, right? Mm-hmm. No, I, apart from just the picks, he was missing easy, some easy throws. He had a little bit more pressure, and it just seemed like like he wasn't able to cope. He was missing some some easy like little screen passes and stuff that that would have been able to give them the, the first down. It, it was it was just bedlam in the second half for them. But the 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 main thing that I am really annoyed about with him and i use annoyed very loosely because i'm actually happy that they're out you know how i feel about these chiefs and it's because it's because of this arrogance that they display right the, these players themselves not because i hate greatness or anything like that i just feel like they come across as too arrogant why in overtime was patrick mahomes trying to take a deep shot to tyree kill that was absolutely unnecessary and, and, and if you look at the replay, there were at least two. I think there was, he had Kelsey over the middle and there was someone else that was free that, that could have, have um, that was free, open, somewhere over, like just, just inside the numbers or whatnot. That could have given them um, some yards and probably gotten the first down. Like, you're in control. Just take your time and work the ball down the field. That's all you need to do. There, there was absolutely no need for him to take that deep shot. Like, none whatsoever. I have to put that law solely on solely on him. I mean, not sorry, I, sorry, not solely. I have to put the majority of the loss on him and Andy Reid. Now, the defense is another thing, but I, seeing as I was never convinced about the defense, even when they had been looking better all season, I'm, I'm going to give them minimal blame on this. For me, this is on Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. So what surprised me when you said Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid is that I feel like if you've been peeping at my notes, because that is exactly <laughs> what I had. No, again, just like last week, you know, when I, when I looked at what happened with Green Bay, I didn't just put it on Rodgers. I put some sure. coaching as well because the coaches have to make some adjustments to, to make sure that these things happen. Mm-hmm. No, to piggy, I wasn't going to look at the Chiefs' defense because the Chiefs' defense, it had improved as the season went on. But they were still in that trap meet game last week against the Bills. And they were in a trap meet game with the Bills because they couldn't find the stop. So right. coming up against another high-powered offense in Cincinnati, I knew that that would have always been a knock against them. But when, especially when you talk about Mahomes' decision-making, especially in the second half, I do not remember the number that he had in the first half. It was 80. His QBR was 80-something, like 86-point-some mess or the other. Mm. And then you know that his QBR after second half, into second half, sorry, and overtime was (laughs) 1.4? I did not know that. I did not know that. They said that that is the single biggest swing in QBR between yeah. first and second half, probably, in, well, at least in playoff history. It mm-hmm. might be in NFL history. Now, a lot of it was him trying to force the ball to Kelsey and Hill when he had others like Hardman, who was very upset not getting the looks that he should have gotten. And Hardman had a good game generally. Yes. And he played well. The other thing, too, was that he went back to a lot of the hero ball that we saw in the first half of the season where he was holding on to the ball too long and giving the defense time to get to him. Credit now has to be given to the Bengals' secondary because the length of time that he was back there scrambling around, especially in the second half, there was still nowhere for him to throw the ball. Yep. 
True. No, over to Reed. He needed to make uh, offensive adjustments in that second half. As clearly mm-hmm. what was working in the first half went away as the Bengals were stymieing the run and was forcing them to be patient to drive down the field. They didn't stay patient, and that led to a lot of quick three and outs and causing them to punt, forcing their D back onto the field where Burrow and Chase were doing as they felt like with that secondary in the second half. The Chiefs have some soul-searching to do this offseason. Now, speaking of soul-searching, now we finish with the games. Now we're on to the headlines because Lord have mercy that a lot of things happened this week. Damon Arnett. We spoke about Damon Arnett before, AJ. We he did. Was, he was the former first-round pick of the Las Vegas Raiders who got mm-hmm. cut after posting a live on Instagram showcasing his personal arsenal, showing all of these guns and telling who we still don't even know who yet to pull up and that he would have ended them. Damon Arnett has been arrested this past week after he pulled a pistol in the face of a valley after he, Arnett, went to try to retrieve his car before having a valid valet ticket. Now, he was on a futures contract with the Chiefs. And what that means is that he was ineligible to play during this current season, but he would have had a path to being on the team next season as opposed to being a free agent during the summer. Mm-hmm. I guess he really wanted to be a free agent because now he's been cut. The Chiefs told him that you know he had a short leash, not like Bruce Arians and Antonio Brown short. <laughs> but one mistake, basically, and he was out. And now he's out and most likely will be out of the league. Are you surprised? No, I'm not. I am not. And... Um... I don't feel for him. I don't feel sorry for him. I mean, I, I understand that people go through situations because of trauma that may have affected them when they were younger and whatnot. So there may be things at play here, but at some point in time, you have to be able to hold your hand up and, and say, look, this is on me. If, if after the first time you got cut by the Raiders, if you really wanted to play football, You'd at least, you mean this guy couldn't see out the season without an, a, 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 another incident? I don't feel sorry for him. I, you know what? I'm not going to waste any more breath on him. I, I, I don't like to wish against against men, so I wouldn't, um, I, I don't want to wish, hope against anybody making their money, so I'm not going to say anything further, but I just don't feel for him right now and let the chips fall where they may for him. So looking at the pre-draft concerns, I also am not surprised. Arnett was described to have had a knucklehead mentality mm-hmm. when he was at Ohio State and off the field issues and coachability concerns were part of the reason that he took the advice. He actually got some advice and took it from Chris mm-hmm. Carter, another Ohio State alum, to go back to school to try to change the perception of him. Now, clearly, he hasn't found a way to leave the streets behind. And so far, we have no evidence that he's a problem a la Aaron Hernandez. But clearly, he has some issues that he needs to figure out before he, he tries to get back on a football field. It seems like there's just so many players that have these. Just maybe, maybe the league needs to, to have better ways to, to offer help to these guys as well. But that's a completely different discussion. Like I said, at some points, I feel like these men have to be able to, to own up to 
to just be a man about the situation and just understand what is at stake, your money, and, and just try to make better decisions. The man can see how the season can't good grief. Yeah, that that is ridiculous. All right. So that was Arnett. And now looking at um, free agency and uh, moves being made, the big news that broke today as we're recording as usual on Tuesday, as opposed to this airing live on Wednesday, the big news that broke today is that former Dolphins coach Brian Flores has filed a lawsuit against the NFL and three teams in particular because he is alleging racial discrimination. In some corners, they're saying that Flores is the coaching Kaepernick. No. Wow. <laughs> with what he he is alleging against the league. And unfortunately, this is one of those times where there is a lot of smoke, too much smoke for there not to be some fire somewhere. Mm -hmm. So Flores has said in his lawsuit that the Giants interviewed him for their vacant head coaching job under disingenuous circumstances. As he found out three days before his interview that the Giants had already decided to hire Brian Dable. The other two teams that have been named in his lawsuit are the Denver Broncos and the Miami Dolphins. The Denver Broncos, the reason why they have been pulled into this is because when he interviewed with them before they hired Vic Fangio, as he describes it, we had... Um, John Elway and the other executives who came to the meeting came looking quite disheveled and evidently had been out drinking heavily the night before his Oh, interview, boy. Which would suggest that they didn't really put much stock into coming to this interview. Right. Otherwise, they would have come in a much more professional capacity. Mm -hmm. And then it is the Dolphins. Now... I want to read according to a report coming from Dove Clayman. And Dove Clayman, he is an independent reporter who reports on the NFL news and talks about transactions and stuff. He, made, he has some tweets. So for those of you who may want to see them, you, you should go look him up. He said he has some excerpts from the filing. And he said that in relation to um, Ross, the owner, of the Dolphins said Mr. Ross told Mr. Flores that he would pay him $100,000 for each game lost that year. Then when the Dolphins started winning games due in no small part to Mr. Flores' coaching, Mr. Flores was told by the team's general manager, Chris Greer, that Steve, which is Mr. Ross, was mad that Mr. Flores' success in winning games that year was compromising the team's draft position. It's not over yet. He also then goes on to say that at the end of the 2019 season, Mr. Ross began to pressure Mr. Flores to recruit a prominent quarterback in violation of league tampering rules. 
Mr. Flores repeatedly refused to comply with these improper directives. Good for him. Undeterred, in the winter of 2020, Mr. Ross invited Mr. Flores onto a yacht for lunch. Shortly after he arrived, Mr. Ross told Mr. Flores that the prominent quarterback was conveniently arriving at the marina. Obviously, Mr. Ross had attempted to set up a purportedly impromptu meeting between Flores and the prominent quarterback. Mr. Flores refused the meeting and left the yacht immediately. After the incident, Mr. Flores was treated with disdain and held out as someone who was non-compliant and difficult to work with. AJ, the man was doing his job as best mm. as he could and refused to engage in illegal tampering. And because of that, he was no non-compliant and difficult to work with. Now, with regards to the him finding out three days before that he was going, that basically he was not getting the job for the Jets, there are two, there's a set of tweets that he received from your head coach, Bill Belichick. Now, let the record show that I am not casting any aspersions on Bill for anything that happened. A funny thought passed past you in my mind, but I'll give that after you get in here. But okay. in the comments, in the, the tweets, Bill Belichick texted him and said, sounds like you've landed, congrats. He said, did you hear something I didn't hear? And he was like, Jets? And Flores' response was, I interview on Thursday. I think I have a strong shot at it. He said, got it. I hear from Buffalo and NYG, which is the New York Giants, that you are their guy. Hope it works out if you want it to. And then Flores responds, that's definitely what I want. I hope you're right, coach. Thank you. And then maybe something clicked. He then responded, coach, are you talking to Brian Flores or Brian Dable? Just making sure. And that's probably when Bill recognized that he was texting the wrong person. He says, sorry, I bleeped this up. I double checked and, mis and I misread the text. I think they're naming Dable. I'm sorry about that. And he says, thanks, Bill. Your thoughts? Uh, that is a lot to unpack. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, like you said, uh, as... So, so to start with that most recent, like the, the um, communication between um, Bill Belichick and Brian Flores, um, as, as you said, though, it, it does look very bad, but it's not extremely incriminating. Like, um, it, but it, 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 it does look kind of bad, right? Um, the thing about it is, the thing about it is, there's no, there's not necessarily, I don't want to, I don't want to sound bad saying this, but there's not necessarily anything wrong with having someone in mind before you interview everyone else. Now, the thing is, we know what the Rooney Rule states, it, you must interview a minority candidate, right? Um, it does look bad that, that this, like, if, if what Bill said is correct and, 
he leaked that information, which seems to be a thing going on nowadays, that, that it, it does look kind of bad that Brian Flores, as a, as a minority head coach, wasn't actually considered. But therein lies the loophole in the Rooney rule, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't say that they have to hire one. It just says mm -hmm. that you have to interview one. Mm -hmm. So as you said, there is a lot of smoke behind all of this. So most likely there is a fire somewhere. Um, and I guess that's why Flores wanted it to be a class action. So <laughs> <laughs> man trying to go on everyone, trying to, trying to shake every single tree to see what, what falls. Um, because as, as bad as this looks, this situation in itself is not incriminating enough to suggest. It, it is, what it is, 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 is an extremely disappointing look for the NFL and, and just another way that the Rooney rule is exploited and, and, and the, the, with the loophole. It, 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 it doesn't look bad. It doesn't look good, sorry. It does not look good. But, and to go a little further back with his, Flores' interaction with Ross, you see, this is, and this is why the, this, the topic of tanking is always, yeah, it's always met with, with so much disdain by, by coaches and players alike, because this is not a decision made by coaches and players. Mm -hmm. No coach wants to tank. No coach is going to go into a locker room and tell his players that have been working their asses off, pardon my French, for the entire season, that guys, we need to, we need to lose games right now so that we could get this one player next year who might make us better. No coach wants to do that. None of them want to do that. This mm -hmm. is something that the front offices try to decide and and like us as fans from the outside looking in we already knew that but that kind of sheds some light on that 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 situation with ross is even more damning than the one with, with belichick and the hiring right because it sheds it sheds a light directly on that that the owner is willing to compromise the team and wants the tank to be able to get it and is trying to 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 use underhanded tactics to to basically try to to get well, in, 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 get a QB in, you know? So in, the thing is, what I wonder though is what exactly is Flores trying to achieve by doing this right now? Because by, by attacking the entire league, he's, he's not hired yet. So is he still <laughs> trying to get a head coaching job? Because this is not a good look. Like you can't, you, it's the same way. Colin Kaepernick couldn't have been suing every team in the league and then expected to get into the league. I, I don't see how, how um, Flores... And I'm, I'm, but the thing is, bear in mind, I'm not saying that he's wrong for, for bringing this case against them, but I'm just saying you need to pick your poison, though, because if you're doing this, I don't see what team is going to hire you. Because as, as you and I discussed before, this is a boys' club. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is a close league and it's a boys' club. So these men don't have to hire you if they don't want to. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure this lawsuit is going to make it extremely harder for them to do so. And even so, um, while it's going on, it, it'll be such a distraction that that is, that is an excuse for owners to say, yeah, we don't want this man as head coach right now. So he may not be getting a head coaching job until this entire situation is resolved. But uh, yeah, that's just off the top because I, I really hadn't had a chance to look at it. So I'm just really responding from what you said. That is so much to unpack. I'll, I'll let you go. Yeah, so this is a, a huge mess, and I'm not going to I'm not going to go too heavy on it right now, because I'm sure that 
when we come back next week, as you know, we are going to have some friends in with us next week. We're going forward. We're going to have Justin in. We're going to have Ricky back as well. Mm-hmm. We will have chance to give them an opportunity to come away in on this because, yeah. I mean, we are going to be previewing the Super Bowl, but we can't spend an hour just talking about that. True. True. So I just go really, really quickly. Now, as you said, the fact that he's doing this right here, right now, at this point in time when he does not have a job, is going to put his job chances in jeopardy. He was getting some positive press with a couple, couple of locations, but as you said, they can use this now as an opportunity not to hire him because he is suing the league. Now, that is one. The fact that he, that whole interaction with him and the owner when the owner wanted him basically to commit tampering. And then if it came out, you know that the owner would have said, but you know, I didn't know anything about that. He could easily then take action against Flores and get rid of him mm-hmm. because by this time, Flores is still winning the games that is not putting them in the position that they want to be in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Flores not doing that, maintaining his integrity was important, but it will have worked against him just like how many of our brothers and sisters find situations working against them in their occupations when they do nothing wrong. So that is another layer on this onion. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is a lot. It is, it is too much. But when you then factor in that Bill Belichick is the one that, t- that texted him and basically told him, well, you're not getting the job, but congratulating him for getting the job. Now, that's really funny thought that as I was reading all of the information parts in my head, because mm-hmm. we know that Bill has had his issues with the league and the league office. So why not stick it to them and create this uh, situation? I didn't even think about it. Why not? <laughs> Put it out there that yes, it is known yeah. that the minority candidate is not getting the job, but mm. instead the white candidate is going to get it. And then watch and see where the chips lay after all of the dust settles. Because we know Bill is an old boy in this, and Bill probably. If there's anyone that has full immunity in this situation, it is Bill. Correct. <laughs> so he could be the one. To, to be the whistleblower before actually blowing the whistle. Mm-hmm. So now, after, after we talk about how Devil was known to be getting the job before uh, Flores was even interviewed, Devil is the head coach now of the New York Giants. Do you think this is a good hire? I... I don't know if I could say yes or no, and it has nothing to do with Dable. I think he's done a very good job with what he's had as the OC in Buffalo, but it has more to do with the Giants organization. Mm. I, I just don't know if I could trust them. Now, he was the OC for what? It, he was uh, he was there three or four seasons? Three something seasons. like that? 2018 to 2021. Okay, good. There we go. And, and, and during that time... You could see that the Bills' offense, uh, like their players, like they, they were getting better offensively, especially when with Josh Allen there. Josh Allen was was growing into his role and into the offense. Well, Josh Allen really is the offense, but still, mm-hmm. I, I I just don't know if I could trust the Giants. I feel like they are 
or or quicksand. Mm. So I'm not sure if Devil is is the guy right now to get the best out of what they have. And and again, to be fair, last season they did have a lot of injuries. Uh, as, and and I'm thinking more so on on the offensive side because I, I I'm guessing that that would be his forty when he gets there, right? Yes. They did have a lot of 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 injuries, even. The fact that they gave like this huge contract to Kenny Galladay, who's had injuries of his own, mm-hmm. I, I just don't know if I trust management to make the right decisions to put Dable in a position to be successful. It's the Giants, and and this is no disrespect to them, but I haven't seen anything from them to suggest that. Mm-hmm. To be very honest, so this is kind of one of those where I'm going to have to see how it plays out. Um, uh, Devil has has done a, a very good job in his time as OC. He's also had some other positions before getting that final rule and before taking the step up. So I mean, I I, I don't like to to wish against people, like I said. So I, I wish him all the best in that position, but I I just don't trust that organization, Ken. Okay, so. There are a couple of thoughts that went through my mind when I was reviewing the whole thing of Brian Dable being hired by the Giants. So it's actually four seasons that Dable had. Four. Right. Okay. From 20, uh, yeah, the years were correct, right? But the the number was incorrect. So the, Brian Dable has been the offensive coordinator for the Bills for the entire time that they've had Josh Allen, mm-hmm. and we have seen an incredible improvement in Josh Allen over the time that he's been there, even if you look between years one and year two. So when you look at that, he's now going to another team that has a young, relatively young quarterback who needs that kind of development, who needs that kind of help. Because when you heard the the comments being made by the owner, Mr. Mara, he basically said that it was their fault that um, Daniel Jones has not improved because he's had all of these coaching changes and all of these offense changes over his Mm -hmm. time there. So now bringing in Dable, the expectation or the hope would be that Dable would be able to develop um, Jones to the point where he is a competent NFL quarterback. Because if we're being fair and honest, he's not that at this point. So you're looking at that and you're seeing that, yeah, they're going to bring him in so that he can work with the young quarterback and hopefully things can pick up from there. What my concern has been where Dable is, um, where Dable is concerned is that when you look at the offense of the Bills, yes, the Bills offense has been pretty dynamic, but it has been quarterback, everything. There's been no development of a competent running game. They've not brought in competent runners of the football, really. You don't have... Well, the playoffs would suggest that they actually have a pretty good receiving core. When they have Stefan Diggs, they have uh, Emmanuel Sanders, and I, I don't remember the guy's name who went for 200 yards against... Gabriel Davis. And Gabriel Davis. Mm-hmm. And then you have Dawson Knox. So you had pieces there that you could work with. Now you're coming to the Giants, you where Sterling Shepard is always hurt. Kenny Galladay is always hurt. Kadarius Tony has shown flashes, but he's also often hurt. Mm-hmm. You have 
Evan Ingram, who's always hurt. And then the running back, Saquon Barkley, who is now working himself back from a catastrophic injury and has not shown himself to be at the same level that he was pre-injury. Yep. There's a lot of question marks in the Giants. No, you looked at the organization as a whole. I'm just looking at the offense. Mm-hmm. He has his work cut out for him. But one thing that will always work in his favor, he's in the NFC East, where right now there's only one good team that doesn't have a good coach. All Everything is on the table for him. True. I guess true. That, that's, that's a saving grace. So we know that he was hired. Now, another coach that was hired, another one of the teams is named in this expose, according to Brian Flores, was the Broncos. Now, the Broncos have hired Nathaniel Hackett, who was the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. So the question is, AJ, do you think that this will work to woo Rodgers over to Denver? I think it would, you know. I think it would, and 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 I'm I'm convinced that at least ten percent of the reason that Hackett got this job is to is to woo Rogers. Not just it's not just by coincidence. Oh, we have Hackett, so let's let's try and see if we could if this will work. Nah, I, I honestly believe that part of the reason why he got this job is is to put the final nail in the coffin to get Aaron Rodgers to Denver, because the reality is there aren't many landing spots for Aaron Rodgers at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't think there are any in the NFC because uh, if, the, if there were, so we just thought, let me, let me do a quick break. There's no way in the NFC East he's going to go, right? True. Definitely he's not going to switch and go to anywhere in his division. Correct. Um, a, 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 the best landing spot to me in the NFC would have been at you, but not with Sean Payton gone. I think that's a lost cause. Yeah. There's no way he's going to follow Tom Brady by going to Tampa Bay. Not at all. And the, other, the other two teams forget that. And then there's no space for him anywhere <laughs> in the NFC West. I mean, I, granted, I do think that a long shot, but I think that San Francisco should really be trying. But I, I and you know, that was always his dream team. But I, 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 even at this point, I don't know if, if they have enough to, to convince him. I think he goes over to the NFC. And again, like just looking at the divisions, it seems like the Broncos have a really good chance. And, and, and they solidified that, that um, chance by bringing in Hackett, who's been his OC um, for the past couple of seasons. And under, under Hackett, with the, the combination of the two of them, they were one of the best scoring offenses, the best in 2020. Yeah. So that is part of the reason, Ken, and no one is going to tell me otherwise. So I don't disagree. As, you, as you've broken it down, team by team, division by division. It does look like if the best, I've been saying this for weeks, the best landing spot for Aaron Rodgers to be leaving Green Bay to go would be here with the Broncos. Now, I will always concede the points that everyone else has been making when you look at the division, you look at the teams in the division and the quarterbacks in the division as well. There is room for questions and to be a little bit pessimistic about coming over to the Broncos where you're going to have to play the Chiefs twice, you're going to have to play the Chargers twice and the Raiders, well, you'll get to them in a second, but the fact still remains that when you look at what 
the Broncos have, they have both the draft capital plus the personnel at this point in time to make a deal work to get Rodgers from Green Bay. Then when, like, it was also mooted that there may be some mega trade in the works where they may try to get both Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, if that is possible, you give up whatever you have to give up. Like, sure. if it means that I have to give up Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Javante Williams, and a first-round pick, to get those two players, why not? Why wouldn't I? Because you still have a lot of other options that you can use, and this draft, mm-hmm. what is like on quarterbacks, you always get good skill position players coming out always, of this yep. So you can, mm-hmm. you can rebuild what little you may need to because you've you know you've traded away some pieces it is a positive move and like you i believe that hackett being hired was also to try to help you know get rogers in the building because we've been hearing this all season long that Mm -hmm. the broncos were trying to get rogers so i mean even though the owner got up and said at his unveiling that you know, him being hired was not to try to get Rodgers. I mean, who are you fooling? Like the fact that he even mentioned that means that he's lying. I, no, but I think it was in response to a question that he or in response. Said. Okay, but okay. regardless, though, like mm-hmm. you're not fooling the body, bro. I understand that because he's under contract with another team for tapping, tapping. Can't make correct. You can't yeah. say can't. yes. This is what we're trying to do, but at the same time, you're not checking the body. Come no, on. we're not trying to do that. Wink, wink. Exactly. Yeah, we, we, he at least knows how to do a little better than Magic Johnson did when he was the, <laughs> the GM of the Lakers. So, now that we you know we were talking just now about the, the AFC West and the other team in the division that was looking for a head coach was the Las Vegas Raiders. And the Las Vegas Raiders have officially hired, at this point, Josh McDaniels to be their head coach. So we know that there are some, especially those from the Indianapolis Colts, that are a little bit salty because he was supposed to be their coach before he decided to go back to be the OC with your Patriots. So looking at this hire, AJ, this is this is your guy. He's from your building. Are you optimistic about Josh McDaniels going in? to Las Vegas? No, I'm not. Hmm. I, I know, yeah, I know. It, it, it's really strange, right? I haven't been very high on my, on my expats today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, I, I just, I'm not, Ken, because I don't think I've seen anything from Josh McDonald's. Now, I don't want to, to keep judging him by the same standard, like when he did try over in Denver and he was an ob- abject failure. Mm-hmm. He's grown since then, and he said that he's learned from that experience, and he's learned how to better deal with the players in his team and whatnot. Basically, the, how to better deal with individuals. Cool. I need to see that in action first, though. I need to see it. I haven't seen this man as a head coach, uh, and we just talked about the division itself. Um, you're coming up against some stiff competition, in, and I mean, the, the, it, it has been a, a coaching carousel, apparently. I will. Eat, um, eat, yeah, it has been a coaching carousel because, I mean, like, we just talked about Hackett getting the job. Um, Brandon Staley is only going to be in his second year. So, uh, like, second place, 
the Chiefs have this division once again. So second place will be up for grabs. So it's not a complete lost cause. But again, I, I just don't know what I've seen. And, and then with the issues that the Las Vegas Raiders had last season, off the field issues, Mm-hmm. Is Josh McDaniels the guy to be able to rally a team from that? Because, I, I mean, obviously it's not a foregone conclusion that that is going to happen again. But is he the kind of man that can help a team to move on from those off-field issues? I'm not sure he is. I need to see it. I, once again, I, I'm, I can't say I'm optimistic. I'm not necessarily pessimistic again. No, you know what? I'm leaning more towards pessimism. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm leaning more towards pessimism. I'm... I'm just not convinced. That's what it is. And, and it has, by and large, to do with all the intrinsic happenings of this organization. And, and we spoke, I, I can't remember if it was with Justin or if it was with um, Rick or if it was both of them about the need to hire someone who was a bit more of a face to lead this organization. Because Let's be honest, Ken. The Raiders aren't even the biggest team in Las Vegas, you know. That's the Knights. That's the Golden Knights in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So he, he has to not only build this culture, but he has to try and, and ingratiate this team into Las Vegas culture. Because people still feel that like this is Oakland. This is Oakland's team. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if Josh McDonald's is that guy. I just don't. He doesn't seem... To me, he, he's good at his job, but I, I don't get head coach like building culture personality from him if 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 he turns around and 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 he can show that well then again i i'll I'll be proven wrong but i'm not optimistic about this at all okay so i'm cautiously optimistic for him in vegas cautiously optimistic now one of the main reasons why i'm cautiously optimistic is the experience that he had while he was the head coach of the Denver Broncos, it was not good. And then, you know, basically he ran home with his tail between his legs, back to Papa, who, you know, embraced him, gave him the job, and he has done a good, he's done well for himself since then. So he has said all the right things that he has learned from the mistakes and he was not good with dealing with people back then okay cool no problem i don't have an issue with any of that Mm -hmm. so let's now see if you've actually learned anything you only get an opportunity to see that if he's put in the same position again so there there's my cautious optimism now i do not remember who the guest was but on the I Am Athlete podcast, there was a former player that was playing for Josh McDaniels while he was the head coach of the Broncos. <clears throat> and this former player said that they were doing pretty well while they had McDaniels for a while. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that he was incorporating, you might not like this one very much, but he was incorporating some of the aspects of the Patriot way. He was videotaping the opposing team's um, practices and, and putting in things in the gameplay, in the tape, so that they would understand mm-hmm. what was coming. So for the time they saw certain things, the defense would immediately make the call to know if it was pass or run based on what they had been shown from the tapes. 
The man, his words, not mine. He came out and said, point blank, we was cheating. We was cheating. So, I would hope that he has found ways now not to have to do the same things he did before mm -hmm. and still get success. Because everybody knows now about that aspect of the Patriot Way. And it will not fly the second time around. Now, he is going to a team that still does have some very good pieces. It has a good defense, for sure. And he still has a very good quarterback. Like, well, yeah, he's better than just good. So he has, mm -hmm. they have a very good quarterback. They have Agreed. a good running back in Josh Jacobs. They have mm -hmm. a good wide receiver in Hunter Renfro. And then they have the all-world tight end that is, uh, what's his name? Waller. Yes, Darren Waller. And the defense is good. They have the pieces in place right now that their team can be solid going forward. They need an adult in the room. Bisaccia came in and was that when they needed it last season. Now they were trying to take the team in another direction. I would have been glad to see him get an opportunity to carry on. That has not worked out. But I am cautiously optimistic for McDaniels. We will see. I believe, honestly, that this division is going to be pretty wide open next season because there is just too much quality all the way down through, especially if the Broncos can bring in Rodgers to go with Happy. Yeah. So if, if that happens, this is a division to watch. Oh, yeah. I will probably like to get some tickets, you know, in October. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. And maybe early November because I'm not, when the weather looks like this, I'm not going. Yeah. <laughs> all right, AJ. <laughs> So, through, I think that the first time ever, we managed to get through all of our topics in just about an hour. So, we wanted to make sure that we did this because, as I may mention early on in the show, Tom Brady, after 22 seasons in the NFL, has announced formally that he is retiring. And similar to what I said when the rumors were coming out that Drew Brees was going to retire, I was not going to eulogize my, my quarterback until he left. And then he left, and you were so gracious as to give me the opportunity to speak on my quarterback. Today is not the day where Ken is going to have any kind of slander on Mr. Brady. There'll be much more time for that sometime down the line. But Fair point. I want to give you the opportunity now to speak on your quarterback as we have for the first time in a little while, a final thought. Thank you, sir. So, um, with, I mean, as you just said, you know, this is my guy. Been a fan for a very long time. And as such, it would have been hard for me to stay away from conversation about Tom Brady, just because I knew that today the Brady detractors would have been out like the walking dead, right? And as expected, I succumbed to a few conversation, few discussion topics. But there was one topic in particular that I knew I wanted to save for tonight. So first of all, let's establish the basis of my final thought. As you mentioned, Ken Tom Brady has officially announced his retirement from the National Football League after a 22-year career, which saw him end as a seven-time Super Bowl champion in 10 appearances, the most by any single player, and the all-time leader in passing yards, touchdown passes, and wins by a quarterback. He's top five in every major passing category and holds every major postseason record. But anyway, 
I ain't here to go through all of his stats and accolades. That's what Wikipedia is there for, right? Mm -hmm. What I'm here to do is to broach a topic that is a bit more opinionated and controversial, for want of a better word. For in my estimation, Tom Brady, on this the day of his retirement, leaves his discipline as the goat of goats. And here's why. Now, let me preface this analysis by saying I am referring to only the athlete legacy in the field of play, not the influence beyond the scope of the sport outside of that. It's just strictly what they've done in actually playing the sport, right? Mm -hmm. And also, let me add that I'm not saying that this coronation is, is static by any means. It can change, I'm saying at this point. There are other athletes that are still playing their respective sports who I do think have a chance to stake a claim as a goat of goats, but that can only be measured at the end of their careers. I'm not going to do that while they're still playing because we still need to see how these careers end. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm making, to reference the, I'm making reference to athletes who are active because we have to be able to look back at their careers and, and we don't know how they will end. Good. As I know there'll be some people that want to argue this. Anyhow, all of that being said, I will make mention of some athletes who have put their um, professional careers behind them. We know quite a number of names of athletes who are heralded as the goats of their discipline. In boxing, in the pugilistic arts, you have Ali and Floyd. Ali, God rest his soul, ended his career 56 and 5. But three of those five losses came in his last four bouts, right? And those were in his late 30s. Floyd finished a perfect 50 and 0, but we know there was much ado about him and his grumpier old men fight with Pacquiao that essentially took place way beyond each of their primes. And then the cash grab fight that he had with Conor McGregor. And then the fact that he's now still taking up more cash grabs with a YouTuber and having them end in ties, in draws, right? There's Michael Jordan, who, while he was a superstar player before he won his rings and had a dominating period of about a decade and won all of his rings in his 30s, and he won all of his rings in his 30s, but by the time he hit his late 30s, about 38, 39, 40s, and decided to suit up for the Washington Wizards, he was not great enough to lead that hapless Wizards franchise to winning records, nor to the playoffs, in neither of his two seasons in the capital, right? This being 0102 or 203. Then, of course, there's Wayne Gretzky. 20 years in the NHL, winning four Stanley Cups. The thing is, though, that as great as Gretzky was, he didn't win any Stanley Cups in his 30s. Now, that's not necessarily a knock, but here's where I'm going with this. By the time he retired as a Ranger at the age of 38, he finished his last season with 62 points, 9 goals, and 52 assists. That total was actually the lowest in his career of any season with 60 games or more. There's still names of guys who retired on top, like Usain Bolt, Michael Phelps, the most decorated Olympian by a mile. Both of those guys finished their careers in, in, as I said, on top, on the apex, but in terms of winning, but Usain had a hamstring injury that essentially forced his hand into retirement. And then felt winning until the age of 31, it was a remarkable feat for a swimmer, but not really unique because Dara Torres won five medals in Sydney 2000 at the age of, of 33, right? And speaking of which, there are females, Jackie Joyner-Kersey, Billie Jean King, and you could call some other names, but the fact of the matter is that Father Time caught up with every single name that I have called. 
right? And that is not a knock against any of them because that's just what is always expected to happen when athletes stay in their discipline for an extremely long period of time, not a knock. But this did not happen to Tom Brady. This man blatantly defied father time and even got better when he got better weapons. Ken, the man had a Hall of Fame career in his 40s. Let me break down some of the stats here real quick. 81 games, 60 and 21 records, 65.3, sorry, completion percentage. 22,938 passing yards, so just under 23,000. 168 touchdowns to 51 um, interceptions. 7.4 yards per attempt, 283 yards per game. 98.6 QB rating. 10 fourth quarter comebacks. 13 game-winning drives. This is in his 40s for the four years that he played in his 40s. All of this is underpinned by a record-setting 505 passing yards in a Super Bowl loss. Do you remember that? Or oh, loss to the Eagles. The pass loss to the Eagles. The most in a single playoff game, followed by two Super Bowl wins and then culminating in being the regular season leader in 2021-22 in yards and touchdown passes. Well, 2021 season, sorry. In yards and touchdown passes, he even sprinkles some pizzazz on for good measure by making his last game in the his last official game in the playoffs against the Rams a damn near comeback. Or just almost, he almost had it. Now, I know some people will try to discredit this argument by mentioning the system and the weapons he had around him late in his career at the Bucks. But let me counter this, counter it with this point. At no point in time was this man a passenger on a team. Yes, his greatness had to evolve over time, but there was never a point in time when a team had to carry him in the big moments, that is. Instead, it was him carrying the team down the field to put them in a position where they were able to get the points that they needed. And as is the case in every team sport, his team did not always win, didn't win everything, but he was never the reason that his team lost. Like I said, there are other athletes still in the fray who could very well occupy the mantle of the goat of goats by the end of their careers. But as it stands now, as Tom Brady retires on the first day of February, 2022, he retires as the goat of goats. So I'm wishing all the best to the goat of goats in his future endeavors. This man has put his everything into football for the bulk of his life, not just NFL career, but his life. And we know that now he has other ventures that he's going to get into. I'm happy that he was able to leave on his terms in the manner that he did and not as a shadow of himself. All the best, TB12. You've earned it. Very well said, sir. Thank now, you, sir. As I said, there will be no Tom Brady slander from me today. <laughs> so I shall be leaving what you said just where it is, there will be plenty of time for me indeed, to indeed. Um, have my say with regards to Brady and his career. It doesn't need to be today. Today can be your day because I remember what it felt like when Drew Brees retired. And I also know what it felt like when Sean Payton said that he was leaving. So mm -hmm. probably you'll have another one of these days down the road whenever the um, Sith Lord decides. <laughs> decides to like, yeah, I, that, that might be a different feeling because honestly, I, I've been able to make peace with this because he didn't retire as a member of our organization. 
So he left and uh, we knew that the rebuild had to come and I was still able to enjoy seeing him as a player and knowing that, all right, when he retires, like our, we've already begun what we need to do to rebuild. And you know, there was so much made today about the fact that he didn't say anything about the Pats in his, I, the media always loves a story, right? I, even as a Pats fan, Ken, I have no issue with the man not, he retired as an NFL player, as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Mm-hmm. Now, if he gets on the stage in Canton, Ohio, and doesn't see anything about, about the past, now that's something different, right? Yes. But the man just retired as a buck. When he left the, the when he closed the chapter on the Patriots, he, he, he sent his heartfelt letter to the fans of that organization, to the fans of, of that franchise. Mm-hmm. I was done. Let the man retire as a buck. And then in a few years, when he's on the podium, he will speak again and he will mention us. He will. Okay. Well. That is where we're going to land this week's episode for the Green Bears podcast. As I mentioned earlier, um, we are going to have two guests with us next week. We're going to have Justin of This Just In and Ricky Nurse is returning as well as we are going to be previewing the Super Bowl as well as talking about a couple of other things. Because clearly lots of stuff are going to be coming out between now and the Super Bowl. So yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have some stuff to talk about. Um, just another quick update. I will be joining um, for those of you who are watching this on Wednesday. I will be joining a podcast later today, probably just as soon as we're finished. Um, Muncie talks the NBA. This is a podcast out of England, so your boy is going to an English podcast to talk some basketball. Let's see how it goes. I don't know what we're talking about yet, but I'm sure that we're going to have some fun regardless. And then one last bit of housekeeping. I, I didn't want to, to start the show with a donor. So we will unfortunately have to end it with a donor. But I mean, I hope everyone can appreciate why, you know, we can have a little chuckle about this. And this is with regards to the Green Beach Bracket Challenge with the Bengals winning against the Kansas City Chiefs. Not one, not two, but every bracket is busted. No, there's nobody all them, all that them. can win any of the prizes that were on offer with the bracket challenge because those who had the Bengals going to the Super Bowl had the Bengals losing in the Super Bowl to the Green Bay Packers. And we know mm. the Packers were one and done this, this playoff season, so... Damn. We will have another bracket challenge coming as soon as the NBA playoffs are set. We know who is what. So keep paying attention to that. Of course, you know, we will have some more basketball talk as the NBA season, as the NFL season is wrapping up and the NBA season will be heading into its um, playoffs. And of course, we will have some, some soccer, some football talk that will be joining the show as the NFL season wraps up. So that now brings us to the end of another Green Beige podcast. This is your new favorite podcast. Probably the favorite podcast of those who haven't heard about us yet. So tell a friend. <laughs> As always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Beige. And we will see you next time.